Breaking the Borderline Stigma. I'm Kristen Nicole. I'm a life coach for highly sensitive women and women with borderline personality disorder, helping you to create a protective emotional skin to learn to love all of you and to let your gorgeous light shine despite the darkness. And by the way, I'm also a highly sensitive person and a BPD conqueror myself. I recently watched a series on Apple TV called The Me You Can't See. And I want to tell you about this series a little bit because I think that it is going to do a wonderful thing in terms of breaking stigmas around mental health in general. But first of all, let me back up a little bit. If you're not familiar with Apple TV, there are there are two things. Apple has a product called Apple TV. It's this little streaming device. It kind of looks like a little square hockey puck. And you can use it if you're familiar with like a Kindle Fire Stick. It's, it's the same sort of thing. It's just a little more robust. And within that, they have an app called Apple TV. You can get this app on your iPhone or iPad, any Apple device that you have, I believe. So you don't need the Apple TV device in order to use it, but, um, you can, you can use it for, for the Apple TV app. And just like Netflix or Hulu or any streaming service like that, that is Apple TV now, or the Apple TV app, I should say. And they are producing regular content and, um, regular shows. And one of those is a show called the me you can't see. And it is produced by or created by Oprah Winfrey and Prince Harry from England, Prince Harry. And I watched it and there are a few thoughts that I want to share with you because the series follows several different people and talks about their mental health struggles. And Harry talks about his own mental health struggles. I mean, even royalty, a prince is not immune to mental health issues. And he talks about his wife, Meghan Markle and kind of her struggles and why they decided to leave England and essentially leave the Royal family and move. And it all was because of their mental health. So I think that it is a wonderful, wonderful series to watch in the fact that it shows that you are not alone in your mental health struggles and that there are so many people who do struggle. One of the things that I found interesting though, is that they never actually talked to someone who has BPD. And I'm not saying that that's intentional, But, and and I certainly don't, I don't know that it was, I don't think that it was, but I just found it very 
very strange that they do interview someone or talk to someone, I think two people actually, who've been diagnosed with schizophrenia. And schizophrenia to me, and I'm not trying to place any stigma on people who have schizophrenia, but to me, just the sound of it, I think that is one that's very stigmatized, but it, it's scary sounding uh, just in the way that it's been portrayed. I think that it's similar with BPD. It's scary sounding. I mean, let's be honest, the name borderline personality disorder the mental health community is not doing us any favors with that name. The name in and of itself makes the mental health, um, the, the mental health diagnosis in and of itself sound scary. Like, oh my gosh, what in the world? Like, what are they on the borderline of? Like, are they just going to flip out? Are they just going to completely lose it, fly off the handle and go on this mass killing spree? No, <laughs> no, we're not. But it makes it, it, it calls, calls into question the, the severity of the mental illness when it's named borderline personality disorder. That's why I believe it should be renamed. And I think there are many in the mental health profession that believe that as well, that it should be renamed to something like emotional dysregulation disorder or emotional regulation disorder. But that fact aside, in the me you can't see, it follows um, individuals who have OCD, so obsessive compulsive disorder, individuals who battle depression, individuals who battle schizophrenia, and a few other, um, I think a few other diagnoses. I don't remember exactly because it has been about three weeks or so since I watched it. But one of the things that Prince Harry says, and I think that this is so on point, is that when you encounter someone with a mental illness, so many times people have this reaction of what's wrong with you. And that's the wrong question to be asking. The question to be asking is, what happened to you? What happened to you in your life to cause this trauma? Because that's what so much of BPD is based in some childhood trauma. What happened to you? And it's, it's a much less, um, I don't want to say it, 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 it doesn't put you on your guard as much. It's, it's, it's much more disarming to ask what happened to you. Now, obviously if you ask it in like a snooty way, it's not disarming, but just thinking about if someone says that to you, what's wrong with you versus what happened to you? And anybody with a mental illness can benefit just from people asking, changing the narrative and asking that question, what happened to you? Because so much of mental illness is based in trauma, I believe. Now, like I've said before, I am not a mental health professional. I'm not a therapist. I have just been reading a lot, or I should say listening a lot, because I tend to gravitate more towards audiobooks than reading. Um, it's just easier for me to focus that way. And then also, I have been reading, I've been and and studying up on things. And so I mean, that does not make me an expert that does not obviously make me a mental health professional by any stretch. And I'm not claiming to be. But I think that 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 just knowing that so much of mental health 
and mental health diagnoses are um, stemming from trauma in your upbringing or traumatic experiences. And that is where these mental health issues are rooted in. For example, Pr- Prince Harry, if you know anything about him, about his background, depending on your age, um, you likely know that his mother, Princess Diana, who was very beloved by the public, was essentially killed by the paparazzi because they were chasing her down. And he was, um, I think, 9 or 11 years old when this happened, maybe, maybe 13, but I don't even think he was that old. And that took a toll on his mental health. He was never allowed to talk about it. And just being allowed to talk about your feelings and emotions relieves, I think, and, and so much baggage from our psyches, from, um, just from our deep insides. It, it, just having that relief of being able to say the words out loud and then having people to witness it, having people to, I guess, accept it, basically not judge you for it does so much. Um, I will talk about this in later podcasts, but one of the things that I do is coaching. Not only do I coach, but I, I work with other coaches. Um, I, I think that's just a good practice. I mean, a, every good coach has their own coach because part of coaching is identifying your blind spots and that's why they're blind spots. So even a coach is not going to be able to see his or her own blind spots. And I am working with a trauma-informed coach, and it has done, I will say, wonders in just helping me to process even like my thoughts and feelings and becoming more open. And even starting this podcast is because I've been working with this coach, and she's really been wonderful for me. And it was hard for me to admit that I had BPD. But even in the first meeting with her, I think it was the first meeting, and it's a group coaching program, so it wasn't just me and her. I said, you know, I had been diagnosed with this and, um, it wasn't something that I was very open about, but the first thing she said to me was essentially like, cool. So what that tells me is you got a shitload of trauma in your past. And even though I was still kind of like, yeah, I don't know if it's really considered trauma, but because it's, it's you know, we think of trauma and we think of it being like a war veteran, but you don't have to be in a war to experience trauma. But just her saying that, even though I don't know that she necessarily had this great understanding of BPD, but she knew, or at least either she knew intellectually, or she could just sense that there was a lot of trauma in my past. And just her saying that was a so much more accepting way of looking at it and like almost welcoming and saying, you know, this is, that's okay. I don't care what sort of title is put on you or what sort of bucket you're put in. It's just saying to me that you have a lot of shit that has happened to you. Um, so just her accepting that and acknowledging that was a huge relief. So that's the first point is really changing the narrative of what happened to you versus um, what's wrong with you. So I should say changing the narrative of people saying what's wrong with you or even you thinking what's wrong with me versus what happened to me. 
And, and you may not know, you may not be able to pinpoint it right now, but as you start to hopefully listen to this and as you start to kind of think about it and explore a little bit more, you'll begin to realize or remember things that happened and and realize that, oh my gosh, that wasn't normal. Or that was something that was traumatic to me. Maybe it wouldn't have been traumatic to somebody else, but it was traumatic to me. And there's nothing wrong with the fact that it was traumatic to you. And I say that in the sense that there's nothing wrong in that because it was traumatic to you doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you, if that makes any sense. So it may not have been a traumatic experience for someone else, but it was for you. And just recognizing and accepting that is kind of the first step in starting that healing process and starting to be able to regulate a little bit more, I think. Um, and not judging the fact that it was traumatic to you. I think that that's really my point is not judging yourself uh, for thinking, well, why was it traumatic to me, but not somebody else? You know, that that's not, you don't want to do that because there is no reason to judge that. Um, it, it pretty much is one of those situations where it is what it is. So now let's work on recognizing and healing and seeing how we can start to change that narrative. Um, so one of the things I think that is, is rooted in my past and to share a little bit of my past with you, I was very heavily bullied when I was a kid. I was painfully shy as a child and I went to Catholic school starting in first grade and it was first through eighth grade. So once you met your classmates, it's like you were with them for eight years. And because I was painfully shy, um, I was bullied. I was an easy target. And there was one girl in my class who to this day has never apologized. And for me, it's like, I forgive her for me. I forgive her. Obviously it would be nice to have that apology, just the recognition of it. But I think, you know, I've also realized that that's never going to happen. And doing the inner work that I have done, I have been able to forgive her for that. But she was really the ringleader. And I think there were 13 girls in our class. This may not have been throughout the entire eight years, but 13 girls. And she got them all to gang up on me. And honestly, I can't remember at what point because I blocked out a lot of my grade school experience. I don't remember much of first through fourth grade. I only remember little bits of fifth grade as well. Um, but she made my life miserable. And that being a shy kid is a traumatic experience being bullied like that. I was so horrendously bullied. I used to sleep with a bucket next to my bed because every night my mom would say it was time to go to bed. I felt like I was going to throw up because I was so anxious. And of course I didn't know it at the time. She didn't know it at the time. She didn't know what was going on because again, you didn't talk about things like this back when I was that, that age, when I was six years old. And so I would always say that. And I remember one night she's telling me, you're not going to throw up. And I keep saying, yes, I am. Yes, I am. And she's like holding me down in bed. Like, cause I'm like freaking out, right? Like I'm having this panic attack. You're not going to throw up. You're not going to throw up. And I said, yes, I am. And I leaned over to the side of my bed and I threw up. So I had so much anxiety that I made myself sick. And from that moment on, I slept with a bucket next to my bed for four years. And I think that that's part of 
being an emotionally vulnerable individual, being someone who is very shy and then having this bully and being terrified of going to school. I have no doubt that is what contributed to my developing borderline. But I share that with you because one, I want you to get to know me a little bit so that you can understand um, where I'm coming from when I share this stuff with with you in terms of the possibility of healing of, um, because I think you need to understand someone's past to understand how far they've come. And I want it, I want to share that to give you hope because if you are listening to this and you feel like this, this diagnosis is essentially like the end all be all, there is no coming back from it. I'm here to tell you that that's wrong. You can absolutely recover. Um, And and as I said in my first episode, I don't know that you ever are considered 100% recovered, but you can be considered essentially in remission without showing any signs. So there is hope. And if you don't have BPD and you're listening to this and you are someone who's a highly sensitive person, and you, it's just navigating the world that has been super difficult because of the sensitivity. I'm also here to say that you can find those ways to kind of create, um, a safe environment for yourself. You can, you can, you can find those ways to help yourself to heal and help yourself to, um, kind of pr- create that protective barrier or, um, help to balance more of your, um, emotional, emotional vulnerabilities and your balance and protect your emotional well-being. It is possible to do. So if you're kind of walking around feeling like, you know, you're just, you get hurt by everything so easily and there's no other way to change it. There is, um, are you ever going to be someone who is not emotionally vulnerable and doesn't take things to heart? I'm not saying that. I certainly do still take things very harshly. I actually had something that happened over the weekend where I went to an appointment and I missed my exit for whatever reason. My brain was just off in la la land. I missed my exit. And instead of showing up to my appointment five minutes early, I showed up six minutes late and it was, a, it was my hair appointment. And it was one of those things. It was actually on nine 11 and I was in New York city on nine 11. So I tried to stay off social media. I tried to kind of distract myself and I, you know, so it, it was going to be kind of a nice pampering. And I walked in six minutes late And the receptionist told me that my hairstylist wanted me to reschedule. After two years of going to this woman, who I feel like I developed, you know, kind of a friendship with. And I was actually very, very hurt and devastated by that. Because I felt abandoned. I felt rejected. I felt insignificant. Like I'm, I'm six minutes late. Really? That you're going to make me, I, I, it's a 30 to 35 minute drive for me. So I, it's not like it's right down the street. I come from far away and yet she was going to make me turn around and reschedule. 
and here it is September 11th. And if I didn't have an appointment already booked, I do book two appointments out. I wouldn't have been able to get into her until November. Uh, So another two months when it's already been two months. And so to me, it was just, I, it was, it was very personal and it was, it was very upsetting. And I cried on the way home. I was so upset because like I said, I was, I was wounded emotionally. I was very hurt. I felt very rejected and I felt like I just didn't matter to her. You know, it was like six minutes, six minutes. I know that they are booked up on Saturdays back to back, but seriously, you think that other people aren't going to understand. Um, anyway, so I share that again, I share that with you because I'm not immune to it. Whereas, you know, I talked to my husband about it and I said, it, it does this, is it bad that this bothers me so much? Is there something, you know, like, should I not let it? And he said for him, it's not something that it would bother him. He would, yes, be upset because again, it was six minutes, like seriously, but he wouldn't let it ruin his day. However, he doesn't battle the same emotional vulnerability that I do. And so he thought it was understandable. And I, so I did still need that validation. I did still need that, you know, knowing that I wasn't completely, um, off my rocker or overreacting or anything. And I realized, you know what? I'm not overreacting. I'm not overreacting. I'm reacting the exact same amount that I need to react in order to process my emotions. And it's okay that I'm hurt. And it, rather than ignoring it, stuffing it down, telling myself that I'm overreacting and I can't respond this way, I let myself be upset and I let myself cry. And it was a crappy day. And I went to bed with my eyeballs burning, but because I had been crying. But I woke up the next day and I felt better and I had more clarity. And it's because I allowed myself to process that emotion, to process all of those emotions. I believe anyway, um, it's because I, I allowed myself to do that. So processing your emotions is very, very important. Allowing yourself to feel them, even though it can be scary, even though you may feel like this is not how someone else would respond. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's how you need to respond. And I'm not saying that I take that as a grain of salt in the sense that I'm not saying, you know, you should be going off on somebody or verbally abusing them or anything like that. Like, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that you need to let yourself feel your emotions because stuffing them down and ignoring them is not going to help you resolve them. It's going to compound and it's going to eventually come out in some other form. So that's why in the moment for that day, however long it takes you, you need to let yourself process them. This, the, um, the second thing that I wanted to tell you about the me you can't see is, uh, and I mentioned this early, earlier on, but just, I think it's so important that Harry, Prince Harry and Oprah are trying to raise the awareness and talking about mental health and the mental health stigma. It's just, it's only about six or seven episodes. Again, I highly recommend it. If you don't have Apple TV, it's a monthly thing. You can get it for a month. Watch the series because I think it'll help you to feel not so alone. Even though they don't follow someone who with borderline personality disorder, I don't think that that matters. I think that it's still um, 
I think it's something that you would still find helpful. The other thing, the last point I want to make that the me you can't see, one of the individuals talks about, there is a little boy that he's a refugee. I I believe it was from Syria. um, And he fled to Greece and he had this trauma and he, I won't get into it, but he had a lot of trauma from Syria. And during that, that episode, the um, kind of mental health care provider talks about childhood trauma versus adult trauma. And he says, you know, when, when you experience trauma as an adult, it's like a full grown tree and it may, you know, blow your leaves. It may, you, it may cause a twig to snap sort of thing. I mean, and this is more my words than his, but essentially you'll get the idea. It's much harder to knock over. It can withstand that wind. It can withstand even that hurricane. But when you are a child who experiences trauma, it's like a bush experiencing trauma or a tree that has just been planted. And it's not going to survive even a light wind or, um, it's certainly not a big gust of wind, not a hurricane, not that it won't survive, but it's just, it was just a beautiful metaphor in the sense that it's, it, it helped me too, to understand so much why childhood trauma takes such root into who you are, who I am as an individual and why it's so much more difficult to overcome. Cause you think about that bush that can just get knocked over by a light wind versus this big, strong tree and it doesn't move. So I share that with you again, because I think it's just a nice way to look at it. And it's a great way to be able to understand it and process it. So that is it for this episode. Again, I highly recommend The Me You Can't See. Go check it out on Apple TV. Um, This is not like I'm not sponsored. (laughs) So this is not like a plug for them or anything. This is just something that I think will be very helpful for you to help you feel not, not so alone. Maybe if you're feeling like that. And if you are feeling like that, or if you would like some help, um, feel free to reach out to me. Like I said, I am a, a life coach for HSP, highly sensitive person and borderline personality disorder women. So that is what I am here for. I'm here to help you work through that. If you want to connect with me more, just go to the details of this podcast. There is a link on there where you can go and set up a um, discovery call with me. We can have a conversation to see if coaching would be a fit for you. And if not, that's totally cool. I just hope that this, this episode has helped you. I hope that you will continue to listen. Please feel free to share with anybody you feel like could benefit from this. And until next time, I will chat with you later. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like one-to-one support, sign up for a free discovery call through the link in the show notes.